0: Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as He makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com. How's everybody doing? Let's go. Yeah, Jesus. Man, I love Jesus. He's just amazing. And he keeps getting more amazing -er as we go along. (laughs) If that can be a certain thing, but yes, it is. Uh, And so I love, I so love everyone here, your team, Um, Tiana, Girl Dean, who's not here right now, Um, Chris and Jim, Jimothy. You guys are just like a wonderful picture of what the kingdom looks like here in Uptown and your presence your consistency, your heart to be here. So give it up for yourselves one, one quick second. Being a church so well and being rooted in him. Um, and I know you guys are in a summer of Psalms, which is very generous to give a preacher all of the Psalms to pick from, you know what I'm saying? It's not easy. But I kind of went to my decade that I always wish I was born in, which is the 70s. So Psalm 71 is a verse that I settled on. Um, and uh, the title of the message today is "What's in Your Mouth." If anybody has ever had a toddler, you probably asked them that before, right? <laughs> what is in your mouth? And they reply, mm, mm, mmm, I don't." That is the question that God is asking me today. It's the question that God is asking us today. What is in your mouth? From the same place can proceed blessing and cursing. Which one are we deciding? to partner with him in, that the tongue is a mighty weapon and a mighty tool in the kingdom. How are we partnering with God to proclaim his goodness wherever we shall go? In Psalm 71, 15 through 18, it reads, my mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day for I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. O oh God, you have taught me from my youth. Until this day, I declare your wondrous works. Now, also, when I am old and gray headed, O oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is. come. I forgot that line in there, so I didn't just make it up. Your power to everyone who is to come. How determined are we to tell of God's righteousness? We have options that exist in this world, and we can either tell the news or we can tell the good news. There is a difference, right? There is something where we can say, which is always happening in Chicago, there was a shooting, this happened, that happened, are we as frequently engaged with the good news the same way? Whether we're sharing the word or sharing a scripture or sharing something God has done in our lives, how determined are we to promote which kingdom? Because the kingdom of darkness is doing what it always does, stealing, killing, and destroying. But Jesus has come that we may have life, and life more abundantly. Or as I like to say, life more buttery. All right? Bread is amazing. Jesus is the bread of life. Bread is wonderful. You put some butter on that bread? Woo-wee, you cooking now. All right? Messiah means Mashiach, to smear the spread. I could go on and on. Anyway, butter is amazing. It's abundant, but we have a tendency in this world we live in to promote the enemy's kingdom more than we promote God's kingdom. We tell about all the bad things that he's been doing. We make them seem like they're ours, and God is like, what is in your mouth? What are you sharing? What are you spreading throughout the world? We have a tendency to really love bad news. We really love the things that are destitute and dark. And God is inviting us to make this determination. That there are people in my life, God, that don't even know my story of how I came to faith. Maybe there are people in my life that don't even know I have a faith. And sometimes we can treat Jesus as if he is another option we have. Maybe we share Maybe we don't, but more than anything, I want us to leave today understanding the power of the words that God has put inside of us. The power of our testimony, our story that we have that may pull someone from the brink of destruction with a simple word. It's very simple. I went with my family to Foster Beach yesterday my kids, my youngest is five now, my oldest is fifteen. And I felt so thankful that I didn't have a toddler anymore. Because the sand is just like ah, ah. And sometimes you don't realize that until you change the diaper and you're like, oh, you ate a little bit of sand. <laughs> or a lot of sand. <laughs> that we are Holding on to the powerful words. Why is it that so many of us remember the negative things more than the positive things? I bet you, if we took a poll, you would remember the negative things that your teacher has said to you in your past more than the positive things somebody said to you last week. <laughs> you would go, "They told me I wasn't ever going to be anything." They, I mean, they told me that I, my dreams were too high. You know what you have? You know what kind of school you have to go to to be an astronaut? You know. Those words that we can share flippantly are so, so powerful. And sometimes we don't even realize and take deliberation with the things that we're saying and the things that we're sharing. It's beauty, the beauty of hearing words from the Lord and sharing them with people. It brings us into an intimacy with him. The greatest tragedy that exists in this life for me is that there are believers who will never have the joy of leading someone to the Lord. And it is so much easier than it may seem by sharing what God has done for you. There's a verse in Revelation that says, the testimony is the spirit of prophecy that when you testify and you speak out of your mouth what God has already done, it begs it to happen again, which is why one of the first things the enemy steals from us is our testimony or our gratefulness or our praise, reminding God who he is and saying, let's do it again. One day in Humboldt Park, I was walking down the street and I passed a guy. Sometimes I feel leading of the spirit and all I said was, hey, how's your day going? You ever say that to somebody and then they just launch into this tirade? You're like, dang, I wasn't expecting all that. And he started to talk about how he was going through things and how he felt alone and how he, things didn't seem very hopeful. And I said, well, have you ever accepted Jesus in your heart? And he said, no, and I said, would you like to? And I prayed and he received Jesus right there on the street in Humboldt Park. And it wasn't a philosophical, long conversation. It wasn't sometimes what we build up in our heads to be we're go, I'm gonna have to like do apologetics. I'm not very good at this stuff. I, you know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't have my. Uh, <laughs> I don't have my commentary in my back pocket. <laughs> How am I supposed to share the gospel? And all God is asking us is to share ourselves. Post-pandemic, we are less willing to share ourselves, right? so much disappointment, so many things that don't work out. We keep all of our words and all of our goodness to ourselves, But no, there are words that are in your mouth. There is a truth of what God has done for you in your heart that is ready to explode and expand. I drove on a place, the name of it was Shakespeare Street. And I'm like, talk about somebody who knew the power of words. That Shakespeare wrote so much (laughs) later than the Bible. And talk about the beauty of scripture, because the Bible is easier to understand than Shakespeare is. (laughs) If you read anything from the era Greek, it is dense and it is difficult to understand. Obviously the Holy Spirit inspired the word It's lasted for centuries. People have railed against it. People have, have said that how wrong it was. But you know what? They are all dead. And the word still stands true. That when we speak the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, when it goes out, it expands and it grows and it changes. In James 3, 5 through 12, even so, The tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles a whole body and sets the fire on course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh watching what we say i was taught this lesson by speaking something that a neighbor was going through to another neighbor and that neighbor went back and told that neighbor and now we exist in a world of tension because of something that had gone out of my mouth gossip sharing something negatively about someone else to make yourself look better. What kind of fire can it kindle in this world? Even us not adhering to let us meditate on what is good, on what is beautiful and what is true about each other. Not letting that, those words go out. I always thought that the enemy is not very creative. He's not creative. He's been doing the same thing he's done forever, right? Which is still kill and destroy, but he he only can use what is on the earth. You know what happens when we speak words or lies over people? The enemy takes those on a platter. It's called the accuser of the brethren. He takes that on a platter and takes it to a person and say, look, this is who you are. He uses the words of other people to accuse others, wow. It means that I can speak something in secret about someone else and he will capture it and take it to them to remind them of who they really are not because he's the father of lies. So when lies happen, he's right there, he's right there ready even in a moment where we are to speak truth over each other. I think it's hard for believers to believe lies because we are full of the uh, spirit of truth, but I, I believe we can entertain them. I believe we can entertain lots of things, but God is calling us to meditate upon what is good or what is pure what is true. There is a chance that the only testimony of Jesus someone will ever hear will be through you. Anybody ever had a moment where you meet someone and you're, you meet them for the first time, but you've heard about them from someone else, and now your vision of who God has called them to be has been tainted by what somebody else said? This is the power of words. They create a lens for us, not able to see the goodness and the glory and the gold in each other. Now, I'm sure, I've never panned for gold, but I'm sure you got to go through a lot of dirt to get to it, right? (laughs) You're like, man, you in that stream and you're like digging and you're like, man, this is difficult. But I promise you, in every single person that God has created upon this earth, there is gold. There is goodness. There is love. And what if we partnered with God to share the good news and not just the news? You know what they are. You know what they're doing. You know what they've done. But but let's talk about who they really are dearly beloved child of God of the Most High, so much so that Jesus died on the cross for each and every one of them. They are coming into their their inheritance as a child of God. They're creative, they're beautiful, they're lovely, counteracting all the lies that the enemy brings with the truth. We can't expect the world to see the truth. All the world uh, reports are facts. Facts ain't truth. Facts is the way things exist. Is everyone on earth saved? No. No. Does God desire for everyone on earth to be saved? Yes. Yes, that's the difference between facts and truth. The news will report all the things that are true, and so it seems at a moment. But our truth is much different that God calls us into, that us walking with him in intimacy, then we begin to talk like him and we begin to think like him and we begin to see his fruit manifest wherever we go. So it is important, what is in your mouth? The same place cannot produce salt and fresh water. I think we believe we can do both, but it's very impossible. So, what are we called to do? We are called to speak life. Say that with me. Speak life. life. Say it with me again. Speak Speak life. That's what we are called to do, is to speak life. You know what I'm saying? You got a little. Craggy, crusty plant. Come on, little plant, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. We don't step on it with our words of what it actually is. And we're always willing and able to speak life into a situation. Can these dry bones live again? Yes, they can. If only you don't speak to them what they are. You're an alcoholic, you're a drunk, you're, you're a drug addict, you're, anybody can see that with eyes. We know that. Let's say who you really are. You are a child of God, you are a powerful man and woman of God. You are called to bring nations to the Lord. You're a wonderful missionary. You are a great artist. You're a business person. You are, this is what we call. It doesn't take creativity to say, to see something and say, this city is violent. Oh, wow, okay. You're creative. Wow, that's amazing. It's <laughs> a great word from the Lord. This city is segregated. Oh, wow. I can feel, I can feel his presence on that one. <laughs> it doesn't take Insight to say what things are, but it does take courage to say what they ain't. Fully expecting for God to do things. And at what point will that change? I don't know. It's what we just don't have a faith for. We have an enduring faith. The verse that I read in Psalm seventy-one, fifteen through 18, if you can go back to that one that it has all the stages of our life in it, right? My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day for I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord. I will make mention of your righteousness of yours only. O God, you have taught me from my youth, young, age, and to this day I declare your wondrous works, middle-aged, and when I am old and gray-headed, do not forsake me, Until I declare your strength to this generation, your power for everyone who is to come. There is our purpose right there. To take the good things that God has done for us, speak them to others, and recognize who he has made them to be. His wondrous, amazing works. Declare your strength to the next generation. I've been thinking about how the poverty mindset manifests, and to me, in my life it, as a um, it it manifests with leaving your children nothing—not just a in a practical inheritance like as in money, but this is in Information, right? I can't pass down information. Why would I do that? You know why? Because nobody did it for me. Why would I do that for anybody? How can I declare his goodness to the next generation? Nobody declared it to me. My question is, are you gonna stop that curse or not? Are you gonna stop the cycle of lies and family scripts that have gone on for generation and generation. You know, somebody always gets their kids taken in my family. You know somebody is always getting divorced. Somebody is always an alcoholic in my family. You know, that's how it goes. How do we stand and declare a different future? The great thing about the future is it always starts with you. (laughs) And it always starts from where you are. We always have a chance to rewrite what's happening through us, that we remember what he's done. And just like the toddler, with something in their mouth, we have to learn to use our words well. Use your words. Mm, 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 mm. Use your words. <laughs> no, I just want to throw something. <laughs> My favorite phase now that I'm well out of it for little kids is when you put them in a cart uh, in the store and they can grab stuff off the shelves. <laughs> you learn to like push it down the middle of the aisle. Cause, uh, uh. <laughs> Breaking stuff. It's like. We learn to use our words for life. Let it it be a spring and a fountain of life. Not just a spring of salt that kills everything that it finds. Can we be encouraging to people? Can we be loving to people? Can we call them things that are not as though they are. As we leave people's lives, we really get to determine what type of Jesus folks believe in. Is it a powerless Jesus? Is it a compassionless Jesus that we leave folks with? But I promise you, If you determine to change the way you think and the way you speak, your world around you will start to transform and change. And I know, you may be in a place, you're like, man, I ain't seeing nothing happen. You determine to wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, I just wanna thank you I just want to thank you, not for what you're not doing, but for what you are doing, because the litany of words of things that he's not doing can grow depending on our perspective. We say, God, I want to thank you for what you are doing. The old school testimony service. You woke me up, turned me around. (laughs) You put clothes on my back, food on the table. (laughs) And this lady would get up every Sunday and do the same testimony. Yeah, it was true, but what she was doing was stirring up thankfulness and gratefulness in her heart for what God had done to keep our focus not on what he isn't doing. Such a wonderful, wonderful savior we have. This last passage I'm just going to share um, is in 2 Kings 8 and is an example of declaring the things that God had done. Elisha was a mentee of Elijah who asked boldly for double anointing and in true God precision Elisha did almost exactly twice as many miracles as Elijah did. And there's a woman who makes a a place for him to rest, and he prays for her and she has a son, the son dies, he prays for the son, it comes back from the dead. Elisha tells her, there's gonna be a famine, you should leave with your family and go. And seven years later, she returns looking for a land. While she is returning, Elisha's servant is telling her story. Talk about spiritually amazing timing. In 2 Kings 8 and 4, it says, Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was a woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisa restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. Gehazi, sharing the goodness of what God had done, managed to sync perfectly with her timing, coming back, looking for her land. That I cannot promise you exactly when, but I can promise you, you determine to share the goodness of God Wherever you go, and you will start to see the spirit of God work in wonderful ways in people's hearts, in people's lives, in and around you. I hate when I go to church and I listen to a message and it's like, there's still something else you got to do. You're like, oh, man, I didn't done everything. (laughs) I've done everything like a kid. I've looked everywhere. No, you ain't looked everywhere. It's right here. (laughs) I don't want any more, nothing else on my plate. I got everything on my plate I need. But what it's saying is there is something in your mouth that you already have. That in our silence and timidity and the lies that have told us that we are not called to impact, you already know who I'm talking about that you need to share your story with. You already know. Most of the time God speaks things to us 50 million times, and then maybe we get to it when other things don't arise. Imagine if we prioritized it. You walk with a beautiful adventure with God. A lot of things of who we're called to be are decided before we're born. This is a picture of my grandfather. His name is Luke Muse. And Luke Muse was just a simple, humble guy who wore overalls during the week, and then he wore a suit on Sunday and went to his little country churches around Guthrie, Oklahoma, Langston, Oklahoma, and Cushing, Oklahoma. If you know anything about those places, they're a country. <laughs> so country where you had to, kids, we had to run through a field of bugs to get to the church. He was a a pastor and a minister for years, and um, this is a part of his legacy, me continuing to minister. And he declared the goodness of God so much so that at his funeral, the greatest thing that could be said about a human was said about him. He told it like it is, and he loved Jesus. That's what he did, bless you, and continue to pass down the legacy of loving Jesus. Encourage me to keep Jesus number one. Even when I am old and gray headed, do not forsake me until I declare your power to this generation. It's not that this generation is lost, it's just as this, this generation is looking for witnesses. They're looking for us to say, let me tell you what God has done in my life. Let me tell you where he's brought me from. An enemy will do wherever he can, pandemic included, to keep the people of God from sharing, not just the news, but the good news. Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as He makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com.